0: This is High Voltage with Bobby Watts.
1: Hello, hello. How's everybody doing? Bobby Watts here. You're listening to High Voltage with myself. Uh, thank you guys for checking out the podcast. I think this one is really interesting. Um, one of the things that I really, really wanted to do when I started this high voltage podcast was be able to talk about the various things that interest me. Um, so, in some of my interviews, as, as you've seen so far, we've talked like with Jordy, who's a cinematographer, talked with Bo, who's a, as seen on TV, salesman. Um, got to talk with uh, Ryan the other day from Stepcraft, what with CNC machines. And now this is uh, even more of a departure from what I normally kind of discuss. Um, so it has to do with drones, um, but a little bit differently. Usually, I'm talking kind of about the nuts and the bolts, the mechanics. Um, you know, even if it was hobby version, or you know, back in the day when I'd be talking about uh, RC helicopters with the hobby and such. But I, I usually try to stay clear of politics and controversy. But there's a lot going on right now in drone world. Um, especially when it comes to the use of Chinese drones. Um, and I met this gentleman online, his name is Jeff Parisi, and he, I met him on LinkedIn, and he, his, the content that he posts is just so well composed and just well researched and documented that I don't feel like he's just throwing opinions out there for the sake of throwing opinions. It, you know, he's got the data to back it up. And this is something that I've just... It, I kind of feel it in the air, in the US economy right now with, um, you know, wanting to make American, buy American. We wanna be aware of other uh, world superpowers and what they could potentially be doing to us. So anyway, just wanted to talk to Jeff really about this and just pick his brain, you know? Uh, One of the world's largest um, drone manufacturers, DJI, has recently, for example, released a new drone or, or, or service or a firmware, whatever it might be, called a government edition saying that no data will be transmitted back to uh, the DJI servers or, or the Chinese government. And so that makes you kind of scratch your head like, wait, so does this mean that all the DJI products currently send data back to the government? So I saw that and it really started, you know, I wanted to have this conversation. So I felt that Jeff was the perfect individual to have that conversation with. Um, so, you know, feel free to, uh, sit back and listen to the chat with Jeff. It's really interesting. He does a lot of cybersecurity work. Um, check out uh, some of the ways people are using drones to hack into companies. Oh my God. It's, it's crazy. There's some cool stuff in this one, but anyway, without any further ado, this is uh, high voltage with Bobby Watts and this is my interview with Jeff Parisi. So check it out. Okay, cool. And it's live. I'm here with Jeff Parisi. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great,
0: Bobby. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. So I, uh, I've i had the pleasure of uh, meeting Jeff uh, online through LinkedIn, actually. And if anybody is in, uh, you know what, anybody at all should get on LinkedIn. I feel like it's such a great place. It's like a professional version of Facebook, if you will. Um, and I, I met Jeff on LinkedIn and literally just uh, met him here, you know, on on podcast form. Uh, just a minute ago. But I think that Jeff is by far, you're extremely active on LinkedIn, wouldn't you say? Uh,
0: Yes, sometimes to my uh, personal detriment. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I I, I try to stay on topic.
1: No, I I think so. No, I mean, you you post a lot of very good discussions and topics that I don't see discussed all that much. Um, so maybe could you just give me a little bit of a background of yourself and, and what you've been focusing on recently?
0: Sure. Um, uh, Insofar in as background, I uh, own owned and ran a, a Hollywood special effects company for 20 years. And it was during that time that um, I started to get involved with um, uh, 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 aerial aviation on the cheap. And this was before quadrotors came on the scene, say, uh, around 2001, 2002. Oh, wow. Okay. And we uh, got requests from um, a research university that was doing pollen studies. And they had seen on YouTube some of the um, work we had, uh, uh, had done uh, in aerial photography, but it was very rudimentary at the time. And they wanted to know if they uh, they could use our robotics expertise and our mechanical expertise to build a device that would open Petri dishes at a (laughs) certain altitude because they were doing corn studies. And apparently, and I didn't know this at the time, but Mm -hmm. corn pollen uh, uh, flies in a certain band of altitude generally. Um, (laughs) Wow. Yeah, and so um, doing corn pollen studies from an aircraft uh, wasn't yielding uh, consistent results or results that um, they expected. And so the hypothesis was if we could come in with a a low-altitude device, say something 200 feet, uh, that would uh, uh, take samples, we could get more accurate samples. And that hypothesis turned out to be true. So we were able to take 12-foot telemasters, balsa wood telemasters, with electric Mm -hmm. engines. Wow. uh, well, they didn't want the um, uh, the contaminants of um, internal combustion to enter into the the uh, study.
1: But even then, there was electric around. I, I guess with NiCad bat- yeah, brushed motors and, and NiCad batteries.
0: That is very correct. We were doing very large um, brushed motors and cutting edge uh, brushless motors. There were some individual machinists um, that were building brushless motors uh, wow. for, uh, a long time ago. So. Okay. We experimented with all that and the, the testing and successful was very successful for the client. And um, so we started to put more emphasis and, and interest in the aerial um, aerial data gathering. We weren't so much interested in photography as we were in data gathering, even, okay. even though that cameras were the simplest thing to loft. We, we usually put them belly down to do orthomosaic photography that they, we would then rudimentally stitched together man early days really early days about 2002 okay okay cool yeah and so that progressed and and um i began to see how um uh low altitude airborne sensors uh, would be very very useful and by 2000 and fast forwarding to 2011 Mm -hmm. i sold my special effects company Mm -hmm. um uh, and uh put all my effort into uh, now building and flying drones, um, and did so um, uh, until I started with uh, Monarch, okay, in two, 2013, and Monarch was an agricultural company that flew air, aircraft and soon drones with mm-hmm. near near infrared uh, photography over crops, and we specialized in pistachios, olives, and grapes.
1: No way. And so they would you would just plant seeds or inspections well, or
0: no um, there's a there's a um, uh, a whole field of uh, plant agronomy that has to do with near infrared photography. It started in 1972 with the Landsat satellite program. Okay. It then, when the sensors became small enough to be carried by airplanes, then uh, farmers and, and and large growers would order up an aircraft to do these near infrared studies of their crops. And there's a uh. wealth of information. Really? Turned- oh yeah. In fact, um, the 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 field of uh, crop agronomy with near infrared spectro- uh, uh, spectrometers is um, uh, essential and crucial to a lot of industries because um, by watching the the plants, one can see uh, red shifts, as they're called, mm-hmm. where the plant will react to certain uh, nutrient environments or bug infestations or um, other, other things that indicate the plant's general, uh, health, uh, no way. nitrogen, all that kind of stuff. So, um, plant agronomy really changed when, um, we were able to bring the, uh, altitude lower mm-hmm. and, and make more accurate studies of, uh, fields. And of course we started with the high dollar crops because of the size of the fields were smaller, mm-hmm. great grapes, uh, and olives. And then we did a, uh, um, a large study for uh, wonderful pistachios. Um, and that was, uh, ocean sized fields of pistachio trees.
1: Jeez. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and who would have, I mean, who would have thought to be using drones? We're using multi-rotors at this point? Um, yes, with Monarch? We,
0: we started using multirotors uh, multi-rotors with Monarch almost immediately because we saw there were certain, um, advantages, uh-huh. um, in the precision um, agricultural, uh, we see now that uh, most of the adopters of this technology are the larger farms than than that we which we were working with. Okay, and so you see more fixed wing um, applications in in plant agronomy now. But we were focused strictly on multi rotors because we were capitalizing on. Well, you know, all the things that a multirotor can do that a fixed wing can't.
1: Sure, sure. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. So with Monarch, are they still around or is, are you still involved with them?
0: No, Monarch, Monarch did some amazing uh, groundbreaking um, work. In fact, we were the first um, uh, non-DOD entity to get an N number for a multirotor.
1: Wow. Okay. So would that have been, did you have a um, a 333 exemption?
0: Then? No, the FAA? They, or before no that? This, this was before 107, before 333. This is when uh, certificates of airworthiness were required. <laughs> wow. And our, our client was the state of California. The Parks and uh, Parks Department has an archaeology division. Okay. And they were they were doing archaeology in Bodie, California. Okay. And in 1880, Bodie was the third largest city in California. No way. And it was a gold town that was built above treeline, above 10,000 feet, Mm -hmm. and grew to about 15,000 people. And when the gold ran out, the town emptied within months.
1: (laughs) You had no reason to stay there, I guess.
0: No, it was brutal, brutal mining environment. The classic California gold rush town that is uh, Mm -hmm. often depicted in movies and such. But Bodie's a real place, and California has owned the land for almost 100 years and they act to preserve the buildings and to preserve the site. And they brought Monarch and um, University California Merced in to do lidar on the inside mm-hmm. of the buildings, mm-hmm. which was what uh, Merced was doing. And then we were doing uh, photogrammetry uh, from with Pix4D uh, on the outside, and we did sixty acres in town. Wow! Uh, doing three dimensional analysis of buildings down to the centimeter level. Mm-hmm. Where. Archaeologists can now bring up those files and look at every nail in every board of every building. Man, and that's then, awesome! Oh, it was it was terabytes of data. Yes,
1: yeah, I mean it's got to be the deliverables had to have been on. I mean, you're you're right, just terabytes.
0: Yeah, the deliverables actually took um, <laughs> much much longer to prepare and create than the um, uh, photogrammetry up on the hill.
1: Sure, yeah, um, I can understand.
0: Uh, We went back uh, and did uh, another 60-acre study of Boot Hill because it was was postulated by the uh, archaeology people that there were more people buried than indicated. And they had just finished a restoration of the Boot Hill Mm -hmm. but then thought, there's got to be a lot more graves. And so (laughs) we did 60 acres of land behind Boot Hill and um, then the university processed the information using an algorithm that would look for rectangular perturbations of earth that were about the size of a grave, either risen or sunken. No way. They found 60 undiscovered graves with that process. Wow. It yeah, it was Really cool.
1: Drones are really being used for I've I've heard a lot of
0: uses, but never
1: to discover more graves. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely well, like a one.
0: Yeah. Monarch was an amazing company. It was led by Eileen Shibley, who was the former head of the unmanned systems division at Navair at the China Lake Naval Naval Weapons Station. Okay so she was a tr- is a tremendous visionary a tremendous leader sure. and sh- and she really gathered the right people at the right time to uh create the right technology
1: that's um, great un-
0: yeah unfortunately we were one of um dozens and dozens of american companies that were uh put out by um market flooding mm-hmm. from um you know china mm-hmm. um and obviously um that was an environment in which we worked and there were triumphs and successes along the way. So one can't blame everything on China, No, but n- nonetheless, that was uh, primarily the reason that, um, you know, we weren't able to keep it going past five, six years. Yeah.
1: But I think that you guys were in the early days too. I, I think that the amount of opportunity that is present in, in the drone community and the drone world now is, I don't know, magnitudes more than what there was even five years ago. When you agree?
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We had um, we had uh, House Leader Kevin McCarthy uh, visit our shop several times, and actually worked on hand delivering um, waiver paperwork to the FAA for a medical delivery project. Ah. We had we had a major hospital um, uh, put up funds and facilities. We had the Navy. Uh, give right away for the route, which was a medical route to a rural mining town mm-hmm. that had a children's clinic. Um, and this town, the road that connects the town, the mining town and Ridgecrest, California, is one of the most dangerous roads in California. Jeez. In in fact, one of the early employees at Monarch was killed on that road. No way. Um, wow. About a month. Yeah. And oh, so, so it it is sad. So it meant a lot to us to develop a, a medical delivery system, right. only 20, 25 miles. Uh, we had uh, all the permissions for the airspace, all the permissions for the overflight. We had a major IT company backing us with a lot of money. We had the hospital, and we had House Leader McCarthy uh, standing behind us walking paperwork into the FAA. So and it, ne- you were it po- never happened.
1: You were poised to go. I mean,. Um,
0: Oh, it never happened. That's yeah, a shame. So yeah, but- it is a shame. But as you pointed out, um, it's not a sour grape story. Mm-hmm. It's a um, we were just ahead of our time. Yep. And it's yep. really wonderful now to see medical delivery being so successful and the world opening up to some of these uh, ideas. Um, that drones uh, can be used for really good things rather than just taking pictures. Yeah,
1: I, I completely agree. And I think that we're just, we haven't even begun to realize the full potential of, of drones because as you mentioned right now, the everybody, when they think of a drone, they think of a, a drone, just carrying a camera and, and taking a picture and either spying on them or causing them to be late on their commercial air flight because there's a drone in, in <laughs> around the airport, which should not be there. So. Mm -hmm. I think that we'll see even more, even more uses for drones. Okay, so after your involvement with Monarch, uh, looking on your LinkedIn feed here, as you know, everybody knows that LinkedIn is a very good tool for this type of thing. Uh, I see you are now a senior aviation analyst at RAS Consulting and Investigations. So that sounds very cool, very legit. So maybe tell me a little bit more about that and how you got involved in this kind of cybersecurity industry.
0: Sure. I'd love to. Um, Ryan Schoenfeld was the uh, head of global uh, security for Fox Networks and uh, left to form his own uh, security company uh, because he wanted to create a more forward-looking and, more importantly, technology agnostic company Mm -hmm. um, because he felt that was the best way to have a a fiduciary connection with his clients and their best interests was to um, uh, search out technologies based on client. Okay. Brand. Um, his company has grown tremendously. Um, he being coming from the entertainment industry, um, he has picked up security for most of the major studios, many of the major theme parks in the areas, uh, uh, sports arenas and uh, stadiums, okay. uh, uh, casinos. He's also has a, a very large Um, uh, security presence in the uh, cannabis industry. uh, A
1: huge, huge booming
0: industry right now. Huge booming industry. Right. So um, uh, Ryan uh, decided to start a um, a UAS, counter UAS division about two years Mm. ago. And um, we met and um, discussed um, uh, the issues. And he said, well, it seems like there's really no solution to this problem. And I go,
1: (laughs) You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so so let's form a division and start. So what we did is <laughs> that's a good uh, way to talk.
1: I like that. It's a good way to look at it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, we we started uh, making um, uh, personal connections and building personal relationships with uh, counter UAS uh, technologists around the world um, and vetting uh, systems by seeing them in action. Um, we hosted a uh, a demonstration at. Dodger Stadium while the Dodgers were playing the World Series. They were out of town. While they were out of town, we were in town um, uh, basically uh, showing off um, detection, mitigation, interdiction interdiction Mm -hmm. techniques to major companies and police departments in in Southern California. Oh, wow. So uh, basically, the cyber part of our uh, business has to do with um, Wi-Fi penetration testing and how that uh, bad guys uh, or curious hackers, ethical, maybe not, mm-hmm. I don't know, are, are placing um, Raspberry Pi and other, other uh, computers uh, running a version of Linux called Kali Linux um, and flying it onto rooftops. And the security industry has um, dismissed this as a threat because they say, well, a drone can only hover for a few minutes and you can't, cra- can't crack any Wi-Fi mm-hmm. for a few minutes. And what we uh, uh, point out in our in our speaking engagements is that there only needs to be enough flight battery to, to get the drone onto the roof and back. What? The drone can sit there so, for weeks.
1: So basically what you're saying is that, and, and sorry, let me just sort of jump in. So basically what you're saying is that uh, a, a hacker, whether ethical or unethical, will take a drone, integrate a computer with a code on it to To break into someone's Wi-Fi, so fly over, land on the roof, and just hang there for hours or days until—is it running a software to try to crack the Wi-Fi password? Is that what they're trying to do and get in?
0: Right, crack, cracking passwords is simply a product of computational power and yep. time. So, if you have enough computational power, you can you can crack codes in less and less time. The more power wow. you have, the the difference has become that these computers are now light enough to be mm-hmm. flown, And so we're seeing um, a large, like five-inch, uh, six-inch racing-style quads, um, no GPS, just uh, uh, the uh, command and control antenna and, uh, and video antenna and uh, then the Wi-Fi cracking okay. antenna. And, and so this thing can – and, and typically security – Does perimeter checks of Wi-Fi leak Mm -hmm. leakage, so that they make sure that corporate Wi-Fi is not going past. Nobody does it. Oh
1: no way! So so you're seeing this happen, or I've never even heard of this. And I I feel like I hear a lot about drones. Never even heard about this.
0: There's a whole subculture now of of flying penetration tools and uh, wow, getting uh, yeah. So they park on the roof. They'll wait there for a couple days, up to a week the uh, flight battery is not being used and it still has half mm-hmm. a charge. And then they fly it a half mile back, stuff it in the backpack. And then when they make their second trip, the drone only has to make one trip because it's going onto the roof to inject payloads, oh. right?
1: D- yeah. Digital so bad payloads, payloads.
0: Right. So once the payload's been put into the corporate network, then um, there's a global backdoor, so the hacker doesn't need to be near the roof, or really can be anywhere, yeah. and then penetrate their corporate network. Holy cow, it's been compromised. man! Yeah. See,
1: I, I would have just thought when I hear counter UAS, I just think of uh, you know misuse at a stadium, you know, with with potentially something very you know a a, a very bad payload on board, or attacking a large crowd, or a, a building or a landmark. But you're saying that a big part of counter UAS doesn't even have to do with that. It's all cybersecurity kind of digital IP that people are trying to crack into.
0: Right. You have to look at the end game and the end game is usually money. Um, It's, it's religious zealotry that causes people to do bad things with cars or drones or guns or knives. Um, um, So that's not really an intellectual pursuit. Um, The, the, the intellectual pursuit is that of crime for Mm. money and Compromising um, um, networks of corporations for ransomware, or uh, financial institutions to, uh, you know, yep, break into transactions and that sort right. of Right, Hosp- hospitals you, and yep, you, you yep. got yep. it. Yep. So that's actually a, a bigger, a bigger security concern than the the. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll borrow the UK guys. Uh, <laughs> Clueless, careless, or criminal.
1: Right, right, right. No, that makes a lot of sense. That is fascinating. Okay, cool. So you've got this, uh, so you've got the counter security. uh, So you've you've got your background in uh, counter UAS and security and everything. So I'd like to change the discussion a little bit. And um, I I think the big thing that kind of really... Let's see. What's the best way to say it? The thing I was very impressed upon by a lot of your LinkedIn articles uh, has to do with, I guess, transitioning here, has to, to do with um, perhaps some Chinese drone manufacturers and perhaps the invasion of privacy of its operators and what that could entail. And maybe would you like to, to speak a little bit about that?
0: Sure. I'll start with a little historical perspective. Okay. Uh, And that would be a company called Hikvision. Hikvision is a a security camera company Mm -hmm. that um, was um, discovered to have put uh, back doors into their security cameras that allowed uh, third parties to access any camera anywhere in the world. Wow. And the U.S. Army bought about 10,000 of these security cameras. And they were made, where were they made? They were made in China by a company called Hikvision, H-I-K Vision.
1: Okay, so Chinese company, Okay.
0: A, well, it, not only a Chinese company, but a Chinese company that um, um, for whatever reason uh, would put this backdoor in. Now, there's not really an economic business type reason. Um, so one must say, why would a quote unquote private Chinese company put something into their product that wasn't in, of their best interest? Exactly. And the reason has to do with uh, recent laws that were passed in China uh, by uh, Xi Jinping. Uh, namely the um, mandatory requirement for all Chinese uh, companies to cooperate fully with the MSS, which is their um, Ministry of Security, uh, State Security. Mm-hmm. So the government. Um, so the government. But, but not only the government. It would be akin to, um, say, um, FBI or CIA, you must. If the CIA comes or the FBI comes, you must allow them full access. And if they ask you to do something in the name of Chinese national security, you have to do
1: wow. it. Wow. Okay.
0: Well, it's you know, it's China. It's a communist country. We 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 um, everybody everywhere, mm-hmm. no matter what part of the world they come from. Um, uh, there's a biological uh, predisposition to feel that everybody's like you mm-hmm. and that. The world is is what your world is, and this is especially true for people that that travel to um, uh, faraway places and and learn um, that uh, how small the world can become, and well, it's 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 just the way humans operate. Okay, and so we uh, we in the United States um, have a difficult time wrapping our head around uh, what it's like in a. Um, uh, a society that is not open like ours and that has uh, government rules. Now, we label those rules as oppression, but in China, it's different. They, they label it as government control. Okay. And, and we hear the words government control and we panic. They hear the words government control and are pacified and ease. Yes. Ah, the government's in control. Right. So it, it's, it, there's, there's, um, Uh, uh, cultural uh, uh, ethnocentrism that happens when discussing this issue. Mm -hmm. And so the groundwork uh, of any discussion about China and U.S. and, and how our trade works has to be prefaced or has to start with, you're talking about a completely different societal system that has completely different values that are different than ours not worse, not better. Yes. And our challenge is to find compatibility uh, within that so that we can coexist and help each other's economies and help each other's people.
1: Um, okay, un- and- un- understood with that. And, and it, it basically, uh, I don't mean to jump in, but ba- basically from what I can gather is that, you know, in, in the US, it's very obvious, for example, that any data that a, a large corporation like an Apple or a Google or a Facebook um, is not willingly or, or not at all giving that data and just handing that data straight over to the U.S. government. Um, I think most Americans would probably believe that. And I believe it's most likely the truth. But in China, the government and the uh, businesses kind of have a hand-in-hand kind of a marriage. W- would you say that's correct?
0: I would say that's partially correct. Um, I would say that um, uh, NSA has... Um, carte blanche entree to Google. <laughs> okay. So, but I believe in 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 our case, our government asks first. <laughs> yes.
1: Right. And we're not just so, willingly giving. Ev- it, it's not. It's not like the, it, there's a shared folder between the two. But but it seems to me like just even speaking with uh, various people in. Um, you, you know, who, who work with Chinese businesses. It's, you know, no secret. It, it's re- it's not a secret. You know, there's no secret that the Chinese government and Chinese businesses are working very closely
0: together. It's codified law. Right. Yeah. Uh, a perfect example would be the way Apple handled the FBI inquiry into yeah. the hacked phone of the San Bernardino terrorists. Absolutely.
1: They wouldn't right. give it over. Think-
0: they wouldn't give it up. Nope, nope, they wouldn't give it up because, um, uh, for well, for their reasons, yeah, but yep. that just goes to show the difference between the U.S. and China in terms of sure. how cooperation is handled with the government. Sure.
1: So, so maybe could you get in a little bit more in detail about, um, I mean, I, I guess a lot of our conversations uh, online and some articles I've seen you post are, you know, by one of the biggest companies, um, drone manufacturers in the world, DJI, is allegedly – Um, you know, I don't, I've, I'm not putting words in, in anybody's mouth or anything, but the fact that DJI is allegedly, um, maybe having this backdoor in, um, and, and what kind of data are they getting from their users? So maybe could you a little bit speak about that?
0: sure uh, we're getting different information from different people mm-hmm. um, the first the first um, entity to discover um, that information was um, surreptitiously flowing from users to uh, servers in Shenzhen was Kevin Finister of department 13 and he made a presentation in 2017 at the uh, uh, SUAS Expo in San Francisco, in which he detailed his findings. He was later involved in a bug bounty program with DJI, in which he discovered all sorts of things on their servers, like people's passport photos. And, wow! Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, so it's get, and so, yeah. Sketchy things that don't need to be there.
0: R- sketchy things that don't need to be there, and that prompted um, uh, the U.S. Army, having been bit by Hike Vision. Mm-hmm to be the first governmental entity to look into this. And their findings were us uh, uh, sympathetic with department 13.
1: And, and is, and so, is that when the army put out, uh, I believe it was maybe two years ago, sometime in 2017, um, a basically saying that no, um, the army will not purchase any aircraft that is made by
0: DJI. Well, well there was an art as an internal army memo that, um, dissuaded, um, all army personnel from using DJI equipment, remove the batteries, remove the SD cards, put it on the shelf, do not use quarantine. Wow. Uh, then there was the, um, there were other entities that looked into this, namely the uh, Australian Defense Force mm-hmm. and the Israeli Defense Force and the Royal Navy. Uh, and with their conclusions and perhaps conclusions by our own government that haven't been released, Uh, The Department of Homeland Security released the memo that you're referring to, which is the do not use COTS uh, common off the shelf drones Mm -hmm. um, for any type of work for the government. And it was widely known in Washington, D.C. and elsewhere that COTS was um, a euphemism for DJI. Um, Yeah, because there's no other,
1: I mean, there's basically no other manufacturer.
0: Now you got to ask yourself, why is there no other manufacturer? Right, you know how how in the world did a, 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 a <laughs> you, you, do, you, do you remember the flame wheel? Oh yeah,
1: yeah, I had a few of those. The yeah. four hundred and fifty flame oh. wheel, four hundred and fifty.
0: Yeah. So how in the world did the the Frank Wang and the people that were playing with flame wheels <laughs> um, end up being uh, this enormous multi billion dollar? Um, uh, government uh, supported uh, toy company right and that is be- that is because at some point somebody at the ministry of um, sec- security um decided that wow we've really got an opportunity here we can basically pull a hike vision and have each one of these higher-end drones phantom fours and inspire's Um, basically surveil for us so that we can create a synthetic aperture data network. In other words, many, many, many thousands of eyes, each with a small view, creating a big picture in a server.
1: Sure. I I can understand that that's, yeah. I I mean, I I can understand that that's where they could be, what they could be looking at, but is there any chance that these, that the data that was going back to their server could have been used for uh, any other purpose that, wouldn't be for surveillance or, or malicious? Are you, are you in, you know, in your opinion, are you very certain that this is the the main reason for this?
0: Oh, no. I'm um, every company that has a, 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 a wireless connection to their customer is gathering data on that customer. Right. Uh, and so um, that yields hopefully a better product or more targeted ads and improvement in the customer's um, online experience. Mm-hmm. And I thoroughly expect DJI and other companies to do something similar mm-hmm. um, as long as it's spelled out in the EULA and as long as um, that infor- uh, the user can opt out of that information um, just like um, again, we'll refer back to Apple. Apple says, "Hey, do you want us to collect information? Check yes or no. Yep. <laughs> if, if you don't, if you don't, we won't." Yep. Um, so, um, I, 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 I don't, um, I, I, I don't. Um, DJI collecting that type of information is within the norm. Okay. Um, what's not within the norm is the ability to discern how much steel we're using as a nation. Uh, what crops we're planting as a nation, mm-hmm. the health of the crops uh, via region, how climate is affecting our productivity. And now with the DJI enterprise program, they're specifically um, uh, marketing to police and fire. Yes. And that would yield, uh, if one thinks about the type of information that could yield, uh, police tactics, um, number of, of police in a response, uh, num- uh, type of response. Responses. Mm-hmm. Uh, just knowing the patterns of how your other nations, another nation's police work, is um, pretty interesting information. And now with the DJI government uh, program, with right. the a- alleged, alleged blessing of the DHS. Um, I, um, I'm flabbergasted. i flabbergasted. I just don't know what to
1: say. Yeah, so so the fact that, I, and that's really one thing I wanted to ask you about as well. So uh, just the other day, I think it was earlier this week, DJI released a government edition of their aircraft, uh, of various aircraft. It seems like it could be, uh, I don't know if it's just firmware or if it's hardware as well, but let's just say if it's just firmware, that basically they're saying that no information will be passed back to DJI servers and that it will be, safer and such. So just by them acknowledging that all that information was going back to their servers, does that show any guilt on their side? Just the fact that they came out with this?
0: I, I, I would draw that conclusion.
1: Yeah, I feel like um, that's what I thought of as well. Um, so I don't, I, I really don't know what to make of that, because it seems to me like the various government agencies who are already a little skeptical, is it too little too late?
0: It, it, the, the DJI government program and the announcement uh, of uh, cooperation um, is relatively new new to me and I haven't had a lot of time to analyze it and and roll it into a ball yet, but um, um, it's troubling and I, I, I need more information from our government to be able to, to make judgments. But I'm, I am i I'm flabbergasted, I'm almost without, almost without words, uh, and can only hope that there's some sort of, um, keep the end, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Ah, uh, okay. Um, That's the only, the only mechanics at play that I can see that would, uh, justify or explain the DJI government program.
1: Sure. Understood. And I, I think when most, when most, um, listeners are, are listening to this, I have a feeling most guys listening, you know, if they're interested in the drone space, then chances are very high that they have a DJI drone. And I think that most people would make the argument of what's the big deal, I've got a Phantom, and I I use it to film my kids soccer games, or I take my Mavic on vacation with me. And And I think that the, for the most part, I would probably argue that most of what DJI drones film, where even if in the hands of, of any nation or anybody is really just kind of benign. It, it, it's not worth of much value. But to me, it seems like where the problem begins is um, when, as you mentioned, police agencies are using it and, and some foreign entity can see tactics. Or if a uh, survey company is inspecting bridges or nuclear power sites or something, I think that where... That's where it becomes to be a, a serious problem. And I think we could all agree on that. Wouldn't, wouldn't you feel the same way?
0: No, I feel exactly the same way. I think the uh, exposure one, one has when one has a, a drone is very similar to the exposure one has when one has a cell phone. Okay. Um, but go um, try to take a picture of a nuclear power plant with your cell phone. Let me know how that goes.
1: <laughs> it generally doesn't work out all that well.
0: Right, yeah. You get asked to leave after a 20-minute
1: visit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I've seen a uh, a document come out from the White House um, just maybe within the last month or sometime this summer, um, basically saying that we would like to make a bigger push for more U.S.-made drones. And so with that, why do you believe that we are not even seeing... Um, you know, we had three D R, so three D Robotics gave it a, a, a shot. GoPro gave it a shot, but why do you think that we're not seeing any U.S. made um, drone companies really s- step up big?
0: Oh well, one would have to to look at at um, similar nations and why are they successful and we're not. Um, and I would say that the uh, the big difference between uh, those nations and us is the FAA.
1: But do you think that the FAA is holding, but I I don't know if I buy that argument because if the FAA is holding back a drone manufacturer, then why is it that the Chinese drones or so DJI drone or a French-made parrot drone, why are they okay?
0: Okay, I'll give you a perfect example. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, 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 Transmitting power and um, uh, legality uh, revolving around uh, uh, what bands you can use and how uh, much power one can use without a license, mm-hmm. um, American companies are immediately held to task uh, if they were to create a product that fell outside of that um, those compliance uh, parameters. However, foreign companies not held to those standards can um, manu- manufacture an item that is not in compliance in the United States uh, without any... A problem or impunity. And,
1: so, and that's FCC, right? That's what the FCC... Well, that's,
0: that's, the, yeah, that's FCC, but FCC plays um, a big, big role into um, how DJI has been able to um, uh, do things that American companies can't do. For example, um, uh, ITAR restrictions and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. If an American company were to make a long range... Uh, AES encrypted high definition um, uh, video system for drones. Mm-hmm. We would we would not be able to sell that outside of the United States, and we would have to go through all sorts of federal paperwork to to get that to be kosher even to sell.
1: But how how's so, that different than what like Teradec makes, for example, what they make a high definition uh, video transmitter for the movie world?
0: Right. Well, look at the cost.
1: Okay. Oh, right. You I mean, know? you're you're yeah. you're tens of yeah. thousands of dollars for something like that,
0: right? Right. So, but 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 there are companies that have already cloned Teradex systems that are selling it for a thousand dollars. You know, so um, not to call out FoxTech, um, but um, <laughs> right. So, oh, um, how, how how did we end up with Chinese drones that can fly five miles away when visual line of sight has been the Rule of the law of the land forever. Yeah,
1: but the technology always pushes the regulations. It kind of has to in order to see a clear path of where the regulations are going to go. Don't you feel like innovation
0: is always just a step ahead of the regulations? You are absolutely correct. However, if regulations are already in place and being forced upon Americans, they should be forced upon Chinese imports as well.
1: Fair enough. That's fair enough. So, so your basic argument is that. A a U.S. drone company is at a disadvantage due to U.S. regulations that we don't even hold foreign imports to the same to the same standard. That's
0: correct. That's correct.
1: But if that's the case, then um, but but you but I still get back to like GoPro with their Karma, for example, like their Karma was a a drone that was designed to lift the GoPro camera. And it had a, a very like cool, intuitive little controller with a screen on it displaying high-definition video, and it was was very similar to a Phantom, I I guess you could say, but why is it that you think that they weren't able to penetrate the market? Was it because their tech wasn't good enough to compete with the Chinese?
0: I believe their tech, when the Karma was reviewed, was um, called uh, Long in the Tooth, or last year's tech, and and fair enough, but last year's tech still got you a great picture. It's still so amazing. Um, still amazing. I think what 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 happened was when a, a U.S. company makes a small mistake, their investors and their their capital um, takes the mm. hit. When DJI makes a small mistake, um, they get another trillion dollars from their government to fix it. So no. so oh no, sorry, go. Ahead. So it's it's basically the relationship of government um, investing, uh, that we don't have in this country. I mean, yeah, you can get a government contract and get them to invest in a project, but if you're GoPro, you can't call up, um, you know, the, uh, the United States state ministry of security and say, Hey, we've got this battery thing falling out the back. It's going to crush yeah. us over Christmas. Yeah. If I don't get, if I don't get $10 million, I'm going to have to fold. So can you give me 20 million?
1: <laughs> yeah, that doesn't, That doesn't happen. But couldn't you see a future, uh, especially in this economy, where perhaps, you know, if it's important enough to the U.S. government to have U.S. companies manufacture drones, couldn't you see a day where uh, perhaps a U.S. drone company is beginning to get um, subsidized similar to how perhaps the, the automotive market is or with the electric automotive market? Couldn't you see something like that happening?
0: I, 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 um... That's difficult because, um, a, a, as passionate as I am about drones and the American uh, drone industry, uh, I think the invitation of government subsidies and bailouts is um, is a slippery slope. Um, uh, just just from my own my own economic feelings of this, so uh, I'm not trying to argue both sides of the of the uh, the coin mm-hmm. here, but um, I think we're better off, um, with incentives in terms of, um, uh, not, not, not necessarily subsidies because subsidies don't really help anybody, but how about, um, uh, how about, uh, training and education programs, um, where we, we bring, we counter the whole drones are bad thing. Uh, I'm sure you heard that UK minister, uh, last week, he said there are only three types of drone people and they're talking about writing laws in the UK. And an ex- expert gets up and says, there's only three types of drones, clueless, careless, and criminal.
1: Yep. It is. And he issued an oh. apology today.
0: Oh, we did. Oh, yeah, we did. I, I
1: ju- Literally before we hopped on the call today, I just saw he issued an apology because he admitted his uh, ignorance on the subject before he spoke.
0: Well, then Bobby, I think we're going to start seeing a turn in the right direction because yep. until the Community at large, festered by a uh, 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 headline-hungry media, stops vilifying this form of infram- uh, this form of aviation. Yep. We're not going to get it couldn't,
1: couldn't agree more. You know, couldn't agree more.
0: It's just yeah, it's a societal thing more than it's a venture capital thing at this okay. point. Okay,
1: now that makes a lot of sense, and and I think I, I have this firm belief that as soon as people start to see more utility out of a drone that benefits them personally, because remember, we're all selfish, we really are. But as soon as we start to see more utility, more good positive utility come out of using drones, then I think everybody will be much more okay with their adoption, wouldn't wouldn't you agree?
0: I would absolutely agree. And if you don't mind a shameless plug. Go for it. Ryan Schofeld and I are going to be at the uh, Global Security Exchange in Chicago on September 10th. Okay. And we're, we'll be giving a, a, a talk, and a large part of our talk will focus on the um, actual experience that we've had working with police, counter-UAS systems, and uh, drone companies for visual observation in large outdoor concerts. Oh, wow. And so Yeah, so um, the the case study is compelling, and it not only shows uh, the ability to protect audiences, but also coordinate uh, medical responses, because we had a couple, um, you know, any three-day, 10,000 people a day outdoor music concert is going to have medical emergencies. Yes. And and so by having um, visual observation uh, uh, for the entire concert, and being able to uh, quickly provide visual information to rolling units. We we're able to direct uh, medical personnel uh, uh, faster uh, to uh, scene than they would have if they had not had the drone surveillance over. So, yeah. So, so,
1: just another excellent example of kind of drones for good, if you will.
0: Somebody got to the hospital twenty minutes faster because there was a drone in there. Yeah, air.
1: that's. A, I mean, you can't. You can't argue that. Can't argue that at all. No, I, I think that it's good. I think that it's good. So I guess back to the topic of, of the security and such. So let's just say, um, let's let's make a hypothetical. Okay. I am a drone service provider who's listening right now. And I've got an Inspire 2 and I go out and I film TV commercials and such. Um, do you feel, and, and he's a passionate American, right? Passionate American. Do you feel that what would you say to him in in terms of using that equipment is he putting you know himself or anybody else in danger is he doing a disservice to our country by continuing to to use that kind of what's your what's your thought on that subject
0: no i'm perfectly fine with that um uh, dji if if you if you just break down the product and the hardware and the software Mm -hmm. um just the product, not talking about where it came from or the customer service or right. anything. Um, it it does a damn. It good is.
1: Job. I mean, it's arguably some of the best product consumer products in the world. Period.
0: I would agree. I would agree that with are that. innovative and at every step. Like I would agree. Yep. With, I would agree with both those statements one hundred percent. My contention simply um, comes into play when we're dealing with national security, and I consider. Uh, local law enforcement and local fire to be part of the national security matrix. So um, I think that entities, um, city governments, uh, police departments, federal governments, departments of federal governments uh, really should uh, think twice and look twice, because as you have shown so well, the... Uh, concept of well, there aren't any American drones, or there are no alternatives, or I can only buy Chinese. Well, Bobby, you prove that wrong every sure. day. Well,
1: uh, we, we, so, we try, but 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 what I'm doing and the other drone builders and and various other companies are doing is not at a remotely close scale, but it's a start.
0: Right, but but you're remaining technology agnostic, Correct. and and that to me is keeping an open mind looking to the future and making the best decisions for your clients. Yes. So, so, um, I, I applaud that, that, um, the way of doing business. Well, yeah.
1: thank you. And and it's we, we kind of work in reverse. So I just kind of say what from a client side, okay, what do you want? What do you want to fly? And a lot of people come and, and especially the cinema guys, uh, we want to fly DJI flight controllers because most of our guys are moving up from an Inspire 2 and they understand how that works. So we just want to go with that infrastructure. And I said, Yep, yeah, sure, totally. And then at the So I'll hang up the phone with that client, get on the phone with another prospective client saying, hey, we are literally doing, as I mentioned, like nuclear, uh, nuclear power site inspections, and we can't have anything that talks, you know, no, no information that goes to servers. So we need a Pixhawk or cube based aircraft. Okay, cool. We'll do that for you. So I I think that that's what we're, what we're trying to do and, and just make everybody, you know, try to keep as many people happy as we can.
0: I think that business plan is uh, is a winner and I think we'll see more companies like yours uh taking on that sort of that sort of integrator role. Yes. Um, yeah,
1: that's that's correct. Yeah. It's basically an integrator and a and a solutions provider as to where solution. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. because because even for example if you're a, um let's just say if if you were I don't know, maybe you you're in just some small town in Kansas or something and you decided that you wanted to have um you decide that you wanted to have a drone. Well, you've got to go to somebody who's going to teach you and provide you with the drone and the chargers and the batteries and everything. And so that's basically all we do just on a higher level, usually to the pros. So like we're, we're our main clients are the guys flying drones every day for a service um, versus the end user. Um,
0: Right. Like a, like a pro shop. Exactly.
1: But But going back to, you know, going back to the guys who are fire and police, because you're right, like there is an enormous amount of, you know, when I was at the AUVSI conference in Chicago, which is, I I guess, in the US, the biggest, um, what would you call it? Not the big, is is it the biggest drone conference or like professional drone conference?
0: I would say unmanned Un- un-man. because even before sure. they were, they existed long before consumer sure. drones. So. Okay.
1: Yeah. So biggest yeah. unmanned conference. So e- even there, I spoke with many people who are with police and fire um, programs and everybody's using DJI products. So what's their solution like today? what What would their solution be today?
0: Well, the solution would be to go to an integrator such as yourself. Okay
1: where where we where you would you would recommend that they come to someone like us and then we put an aircraft together for them that maybe flies a a flare duo pro sensor you know with infrared and uh or maybe a Sony A7 camera with a zoom lens or is that kind of what you're proposing uh,
0: I yes in terms of hardware but there's the, the there're bigger things to consider when you're talking about especially um police is because um, a community staffs uh, to a level, and that level varies based on um, how crime is affecting the level. If crime's down, they cut the cops. If crime is up, they add more. Um, some um, So the the number of available officers is a very key metric, a very key staffing mm-hmm. metric when it comes to police okay. work and so most uh police uh departments are not that yes. big. You know, you've got LA and you've got you know the big cities, but most police departments do not have the ability to spare even one officer to start fumbling around with the drug. <laughs> yes. Agreed. And, agreed. And so um for those um uh uh police departments to be able to uh, have an option to uh, go to an a authorized uh, police uh, preferred vendor, somebody that uh, is, um, has the ability to uh, service a small department, uh, I think we're going to see more of that as okay.
1: well. Yeah, I, I think I could agree with that. I think I would totally agree with that. And, and I would love to see, I guess getting back to it, I would just love to see more... Um, more American companies stepping up at this because I remember uh, a few years ago working on kind of like a business plan with with a group of guys. And I remember just saying, we don't want to manufacture drones because drones are really hard. And I still stick to that today. Like making a drone is, I mean, imagine the complexities of making an iPhone, but then let's make that iPhone fly. And everything that's involved yep. with that, so it's impossibly hard. But I would love to see the you know more American companies stepping up and and making more consumer drones. I, I feel like it would only help push the envelope. And then as well, if it's a company here, then at least we'd know it would be uh, any data collected would not be used in in a harmful way. We would hope. Yeah,
0: we don't know. Um, there's also the whole antitrust thing. You know, it's it's never good to have only uh, one manufacturer corner an entire yeah. market. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm seeing now that um, like DJI has brought up the fact that they're going to be um, phasing out their Matrice 600 series. Uh, I've just heard, I've heard rumors just from various people. And if you look, that is a huge work for, workhorse, huge workhorse for the community for LIDAR scanning or for movie filming. or uh, I've, seen, I've seen people do package delivery with it, whatever it might be. So if that goes away tomorrow, and let's say they focus on making smaller drones, then that's going to be a huge gap there. So you know, I feel like even as drone operators, the professional drone operators, I feel like it's it's in their interest to help support companies maybe like a free fly or maybe like, um, like a integrator like myself. So, you know, do you kind of agree with that? Like help maybe help spread it out a little bit.
0: No, absolutely. Um, I can see where DJI's um, market penetration is been directed towards the espionage angle. And that's why they're sort of abandoning the selfie market that started their, their their company mm-hmm. and they're de-emphasizing the pro use by getting away from the the heavy lift because it is the um mavic uh, uh style drones that are being purchased in the enterprise program and being sold to right use. right right so if their if their emphasis is market share they wouldn't de-emphasize the uh workhorse product that they created an environment for mm. but their emphasis is not in helping uh, cinematographers. Their emphasis is in getting as many of these devices in surve- in surveillance, you know, looking at a fire or looking at a crime or looking or looking at a, a a pipeline or a transmission line as they can. That's my personal opinion.
1: So your personal opinion is that that is done in a, but but do you I guess getting back to it, do you believe that that's truly being done for a, a malicious purpose
0: um okay let's let me ask let me answer the question with a question what would be the purpose of transferring several j10 advanced fighter jets to a disputed island that the un says they have to give up they did that last week
1: Hmm. that you're outside my wheelhouse now
0: (laughs) well There's a huge, huge military buildup in in uh, China Mm -hmm. right now. They are um, building um, islands in the South China Sea. They are putting uh, large runways and anti-aircraft missile batteries. And now they're moving fighter jets onto these islands. And I speak of the Spratly Islands. And these were uh, sand atolls that usually were at water level, but they've been dredging and building them up into military. Yes, business.
1: I've seen that. I've, I've seen videos and such of that.
0: Yeah, it's been going yeah, on for right, years. Right. So now they just they just moved provocatively some their most advanced jet fighter um, uh, onto those islands, and so you're you're seeing whole scale uh, military buildup in China uh, that started with uh, Xi Jinping announcing himself president for life, hmm. and any student of history knows that the proclamation of president for life is what precedes a, uh, a yeah, war it
1: never ends well
0: it never ends well and so you know you've got um a whole, a whole scale military aggression and and so it just the entire country's becoming um militarized and the DJI product is uh, no longer a toy wow wow
1: Interesting, very, very interesting. I, I think with that, we'll 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 leave it at that. Well, I, I definitely appreciate that your your time and letting me pick your brain on this. Um, it for maybe readers who are, or, or sorry, for maybe listeners who maybe want to read some more about this or, or look into this for themselves, you know, with the kind of like unbiased eyes. Um, are there any resources that you'd recommend they they take a look on all this?
0: Yeah, I would start with um, some of the publications that have come out of SUAS News. Okay. Uh, SEUAS news uh, posts uh, the presentations from their yearly expo and so I believe if you go to their YouTube channel you can go back and and start with uh, the 2017 pre- uh, presentation by uh, Kevin Finister mm-hmm. and, and and that's that's the that's the genesis of the discovery of this issue um, I, I would I would start with okay. that um, and um, Bobby, I, I can't thank you enough for for inviting me onto uh, your podcast, and uh, I really, really admire uh, what you're doing, and uh, I admire, I've admired your work for a while. So. Oh well, thank you.
1: <laughs> I very well, much, very, very much appreciate it. Thank you.
0: you know, yeah, absolutely.
1: That. And and I, you know, it, to a counterpoint on this, I would love to reach out to somebody from uh, from DJI, from a rep, and just get their thoughts on this as well. And uh, maybe, maybe even bring you in on that one as well. That could be really interesting.
0: Excellent. They just hired uh, a new head of, of governmental affairs. The person's name escapes me right now, but uh, I would enjoy Yeah, I saw much.
1: that. I, th- I think that that would be super interesting. Well, if you guys have any questions on this one, or um, you, know, you, you can feel free to hit me up on my social channels. Or Jeff, if anyone wants to talk to you more about this, what's the best way to reach you?
0: Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, and uh, they can search my name, Jeff Parisi. P-A-R-I-S-S-E.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Well, Jeff, I definitely appreciate your time and uh, we'll catch you next time.
0: All right, Bobby. Thank you very much.
1: See, I told you that one was going to be interesting. Uh, Jeff brings up some really good points in there. Um, He brings up some very interesting topics and discussions and uh, it was a pleasure having him. So Jeff, thank you again for, for coming on. Um, so basically with that conversation, uh, I will try to track down somebody from DJI and see if they want to come on and, and discuss this and, and see some of these claims that were, were, were brought up and some of the evidence that was proven, because this is pretty crazy. I mean, this could potentially change, uh, change the deal. But I hope that you know, all this can kind of be resolved and maybe some of the finger pointing can be um, stopped. But I felt like it was really important to get this information out there uh, because it's really been intriguing me, but on the other side of the coin, I'd, I'd very much like to have somebody from TJI come and we can speak with them more about this. So um, yeah, as I mentioned, a little bit of a departure from what I normally talk about. I really try to stay away from controversy, but you know this one, I just wanted to make sure that um, you know we, we discussed it and brought it up. So if you have any uh, feedback or uh, anything you'd like to mention at all, or hit, hit me up with any comments or. Um, whatever whatever you guys really think. I can be reached on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, uh my website, Bobbywatts.com or Wattsinnovations.com. It's all good. Just somehow, smoke signal, distress call, uh, ham radio, however you want to try to contact me, I will do my best to uh to get back to you. So yeah, that's about all I got. So thank you guys for listening, definitely appreciate it, and uh I will catch you guys next time. Have a good one. See ya!